This Christmas season, 2021, we've been looking at the reasons that the Lord Jesus became human. We've seen in times and sermons past that he became human so that Christ could manifest God to us. Secondly, we've seen he became human so that Christ could become our kinsman redeemer in his humanity, our near relative qualified to redeem us from the slave marketplace of sin that we all found ourselves in. Third, he became human, Christ did, so he could and did defeat Satan by dying on the cross in payment for sin and winning victory over Satan, sin, and death. And in our fourth and last message for this Christmas season, why did Jesus become human? Today we say the scriptures teach us that Jesus became human so he could sit on David's throne. He could rule planet Earth as king. And we're going to see this unpacked for us in several different scriptures this morning. It's important at the beginning of this message for me to say that David's throne is not a figurative throne. It's not an imaginary throne. It's not a fairy tale throne. David's throne will be situated again in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. That's going to be restored one day soon, I believe. And Jesus Christ will return and assume that throne because he's a, in his humanity, he's in the line of David uh, in the tribe of Judah. And so that throne is literal and it's real. You can put your finger on the map and put it on Jerusalem. And that's where King Jesus will return one day to rule and to reign as sovereign king over planet Earth. And so... David's throne is the throne that Christ will ascend to one day because he is king. He will rule in royal splendor one day for a thousand literal years, suppressing all evil and sin on earth with his scepter and with his uh, rod. He came the first time, the first Christmas. He came as the lamb. Uh, He will come the second time as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he will be king, and every, everyone on planet Earth will know he is king. Some may not like it under their skin, in their heart, in the secret thoughts they have. They're still rebels, but those who are on Earth at that time will globally know that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, is sitting on David's throne in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning planet Earth, suppressing evil. Lifespans will be elongated, And many other healings will take place in nature that has been cursed and been laboring in birth pains, as it were, as a creation when Christ is king and seated and ruling and reigning planet Earth as king. Now, how big a deal this actually is is noteworthy and seen, obviously, that in the two greatest biblical passages concerning the virgin birth miracle, In the two passages of Scripture that are central to the uh, prediction that Messiah would be born of a virgin woman, one purpose is shared in both of those key passages on the virgin birth, and it is this prospect, this promise that Christ will rule and reign as king on planet Earth. In both central passages on the virgin birth, the kingship of Jesus Christ is predicted. Listen, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, beautiful verses. Prediction. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, 
and the government, there it is, will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here it is. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now again, upon the throne of David, upon the throne of David, the prediction says, the prophecy says, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, a central passage on predictive prophecy on the Messiah being born of a virgin, says that he will be born of a virgin to sit on David's throne one day as king. The government will be upon his shoulders. Then there's the New Testament passage of Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 33. And as I read it, don't miss the fact that this New Testament passage on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ the King also looks forward to that literal rule and reign as King Jesus rules and reigns planet Earth from David's throne found in Jerusalem, Luke 1, 30 to 33. Then the angel said to her, speaking to Mary, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Two central passages, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, on the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, both clearly point to, look forward to, his future rule and reign as king on David's throne in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ became human in order to sit on David's throne as king. And it isn't just virgin birth scriptures which point to the Lord Jesus sitting on David's throne ruling earth. The resurrection scriptures do the same. The resurrection scriptures also mention David's throne for the Messiah. Acts 2, 29 to 31. This is Peter's sermon after Christ's ascension back to heaven. This is what Peter said in his sermon in Acts 2, 29 to 31. And I quote, Men and brethren, let, us be, let me speak freely to you of our patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a perfect prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, a descendant, the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Folks, sitting on David's throne as earth's king, ruling and reigning the planet is a very big deal. It's a huge deal. The proof, <laughs> the virgin birth 
passages allude to that king sitting on that throne. The resurrection Bible verses, some of them predict that Christ would rule and reign sitting on David's throne. And additionally, second coming of Christ verses also look to David's throne. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes, that is his second coming, not the rapture return, but the second coming return. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, watch it now, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. (laughs) Clearly, sitting on the throne of David, ruling and reigning planet earth as king of kings and lord of lords, suppressing evil, curbing sin, elongating lifespan, healing nature, creation is huge. So stay with me, please. Virgin birth and resurrection and second coming scriptures all predict that the Messiah Christ having become human, would grow to be earth's king. Isaiah 16, verse 5. In mercy, the throne will be established, and the one who will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. You say, I long for righteousness. (laughs) So do I. You read the news, you watch the news, you look on your street, you look at your workplace, you look in some of our families, you look in some of our marriages, and don't we long for righteousness? Don't we desire that things would be right in the sight of God? Sure we do. One day, Christ will establish his righteousness visibly, politically, economically, ecologically, Soteriologically, what a day that'll be. And it's amazing that one of the names of our wonderful Savior is the Son of David, pointing out that in his humanity, Christ is in the the family tree of David and therefore qualified to be on David's throne one day as king of earth. And think of the trial just before Pilate cowardly sentenced Jesus to crucifixion, think about the interchange between Pilate and the Lord Jesus. You know how it went. Pilate said, therefore, to him, this is John 18, verse 37a, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. End of quote. Did you catch it? Not only did Jesus confirm Pilate's suspicion that Jesus Christ is a real king, Jesus Christ told Pilate, and by extension all of us through the scriptures that read this, that it was for the cause of coming to be king of earth that he was even born. And it was for that cause that he even came into the world. Yes, to be the savior from sin, by all means. But also he came into the world to set the world straight one day. To bring this, the world in every sphere of the world into conformity to the will of God, the righteousness of God. This is a big deal. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in my years as being a Christian, I haven't heard too many Christmas messages on Jesus being the promised king, 
the promised king of earth. But we're hearing a sermon on that right now. But the truth that Jesus Christ became human so that he could sit on David's throne and rule the earth throws a lot of light on our well-loved Christmas carols, as you'll see. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Watch it. Let earth receive her king. O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Or hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn what? King. <laughs> or the carol, angels in the realms of glory, the phrase, worship Christ, the newborn king. Or in the carol, it came upon a midnight clear, the words, peace on earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king. Or in the Carol, the first Noel, the words in the chorus, Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the king of Israel. Or the carol, a little town of Bethlehem, the words and praises sing to God the king and peace to men on earth. The carol, who is he in yonder stall, has the chorus. Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the king of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. <laughs> Here's a saying that hits the nail on the head. Thousands of babies have become kings, but only one king became a baby, Jesus. Now, the thinking person, and I know you are thinkers, the thinking person at this point in this message, the thinking person who sings all those carols I cited any given Christmas must wonder something. The thinking person must wonder, why is this world then in such a mess if the king was born the first Christmas. The answer to that wonderment is that when the king first came to earth, he didn't assume his throne yet. And that was God's plan. And the good news is that the Bible tells us that when the king will come to earth a second time, he will sit on the throne and he will rule and reign planet Earth. And the current sin-dominated mess that Earth finds herself in will be reversed, set straight, brought into alignment with the will of heaven. There are some interesting verses that I want to just turn your attention to in Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verses 8 to 10. I'll read the whole passage and then comment. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah in the Hebrew means pause and consider that. Do you realize that between verse 8 and verse 9, there are centuries that have passed? Between verse 8 and verse 9, we are living in a church age, 
and there will be a seven-year tribulation. All between verse 8 and verse 9. The action of verse 8 is separated from the action of verse 9 by centuries, the church age and the tribulation. Action of verse 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle, that's Christ. Centuries pass, this church age which we're living in that I believe is drawing to a close, looking at current events, and the future seven years of tribulation happen. And then, verse 9, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. And so between Verse 8, where Christ is established as king, eternal king in the heavens before the incarnation. The question is asked, who is the king of glory? And the angelic host would answer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of glory. And then the ensuing centuries between verse 8 and verse 9, the centuries that we are living in, that we are coming to the close of, as I said, I believe, the church age and the seven years future of tribulation, and then Christ returns a second time, and we go to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 4, at, and this is the description of what's going to happen when Christ returns the second time after seven years of tribulation. Listen, Zechariah 4, 14, 4. And in that day, his, Jesus' feet, will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Skipping down to Zechariah 14, verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. The Lord is one and his name is one. In 1998, when Beth and I were privileged to tour Israel, we stood with our tour group looking on the east wall of the old city of Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley, standing at the base of the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane to our left, and our Jewish tour guide, who was amazing, he said, this is the eastern gate of Jerusalem. But it's not the real eastern gate. What you see above the ground is not the original eastern gate. The original eastern gate is, is, in, is not visible. It is hundreds of feet underground. Remember, the eastern gate is the gate that Scripture tells us that King Jesus will enter to ascend to the Temple Mount in the Millennial Temple and sit on David's throne and rule earth for a thousand years. Jewish guy, not a believer in Christ. The Radisson Hotel was going to build a five-star hotel right where we're standing. They did a seismological study, and there's a huge fault line where we're standing between us and the Eastern Gate. 
return to Beth? I said, yeah, there is. When Jesus Christ literally returns the second time, not the rapture returns, seven years after it, the second coming return, and the scriptures say his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, that fault line will have an earthquake, as it were, and will crack open a huge crack right leading to the eastern gate that we can now see visible above the ground, but it will open up because of the depth of the crack, the original eastern gate that's now underground. And the Lord Jesus Christ will become the king of glory, visible, known, actual, on David's throne. What a day. What a day. No Radisson Hotel because they didn't think it was seismologically stable enough ground. It's not seismologically stable enough ground because the king of glory is going to walk through the cavern and the uh, canyon that's going to be created by the power of his feet just touching down on the Mount of Olives returning to earth to rule and to reign in righteousness, to suppress evil, to suppress Satan, to set things right. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. He is the king of glory. As I was praying about this message that presents the last reason for our series this year as to why Jesus became human, that he would sit on David's throne, I was praying about what difference should that make in my life? What difference should that make in my brothers' and sisters' lives? Should it make any differences? Yes, it should. In the first place, we should want our king in the midst of our chaos. Pandemic, crime, Hatred, prejudice, racism, greed. We should want our king in our chaos. We should long for our king in the midst of our chaos. Because after the cross, after the empty tomb of Christ, comes a throne. It's not maybe it's going to come. It's not hopefully it's going to come. It is going to come. So in the meanwhile, we ought to long for our king, love our king, serve our king, represent our king. That's the first takeaway. Want your king more than you want almost anything else. The second takeaway, realize that right now, Satan has been given some leash by God. He's on a leash. He's on a tether. He can't do everything he wants to do evil. God only allows so much, and that's enough. You consider my servant Job. You can do anything I allow you to do, but you can't take his life. Satan was on a leash in the situation for Job, and Satan is on a leash still. And so 
we should understand that currently David's throne is not yet occupied by King Jesus. And right now, that means Satan is on a leash. Don't be defeated in that. Don't be discouraged in that. Third takeaway. Remember (laughs) that the king of glory is the king of glory presently in heaven, and he will be manifest as king of glory on earth in the future. But a king is still a king, even if he's not seated on his throne. Yet. In the meanwhile, we need to recognize his kingship, his rulership in our own redeemed lives. He's king now in our redeemed lives. We need to recognize his kingship, his rulership in our church. This is Christ's church. We are his subjects. He is the ruler of his church. Let me give you some um, practical ways to do these three things. Circle back to the first takeaway of wanting your king while you're in your chaos. My father-in-law had a plaque on his desk as a pastor, uh, pastored for over 45 years. He had a plaque on his desk that faced him and the person sitting at his desk visiting him. Two words, perhaps today. Perhaps today. He lived believing that Christ could come to rapture away his church that very day, any day. Perhaps today. That's a good way to live. Where that shows up for me is two places. I don't have a sign on my desk, although I would welcome one. (laughs) I don't have a sign on my desk, but when I look at the clouds, I think about the return of Christ. Will it be through clouds like that, that color, that shape? Is that when the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God will raise the bodies of believers in the cemetery first in the twinkling of an eye? The clouds can be a tangible daily reminder. Perhaps today, I'm longing for my king to come back. Perhaps today. Or when I'm in a cemetery, been in a cemetery quite a lot in my life as a pastor. I look around the graves I know that one day, when the king returns, the believers' bodies will be raised and transformed, imperishable, reunited with their souls and spirit that immediately went to be with Jesus at the points of their physical deaths. Cemeteries remind me to want my king. And cemeteries also remind me to want my king because I know plenty of graves in the cemeteries I have stood in over my years will not be opened at the rapture return of Christ because the bodies of the unbelievers will not be resurrected until the time before the great white throne judgment. Not everybody rests in peace. Want your king while you're in your chaos. Second, Realize that currently Satan has been given some leash, some tether. You could remember that every time you see a dog fenced in a yard. Every time you see someone walking a dog around you and the dog is on a leash. You can remember Satan is fenced in. God has fenced Satan in. He can only do so much. 
Satan is on a leash. He can only do so much. Every time the Royal Bahamian Police Force prisoners bus moves from the courthouse to Fox Hill Prison, I think about Satan is on a leash. He can only do so much. And then the third takeaway I mentioned earlier, that a king not yet on his throne is still a king. In 2010, my family uh, had the privilege of taking a vacation to Canada. Uh, we were pastoring in the United States, and we went to Canada. And the Canada Day is celebrated, as some of you know, on J- July the 1st. And that particular July the 1st, 2020, 2010, rather, Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, and her husband were in Ottawa on a royal visit to Canada. And when I looked up on the Parliament uh, building in Ottawa at that huge crowd that was waiting to get a glimpse of the Queen, there was a flag. It wasn't a Canadian flag, and it wasn't a flag of Great Britain. It was a unique flag. I found out with some research, it was the Queen's personal flag only to be flown when she was present in Canada visiting. A royal standard, they called it. And here atop the Parliament building in Ottawa, as Her Majesty was in the city on royal business, was the Queen's flag, not the Canadian flag, on the top of the Parliament building, reminding anyone who knew what they were seeing that the Queen was in town present. It makes me think that right now on the flagpole of my redeemed life, I ought to fly King Jesus' royal standard. I ought to let the world who looks at me know that my life is lived under the kingship of Christ that I serve whatever I do in life, I serve my king at his pleasure. And so my royal flag of Jesus' flag over my redeemed life, maybe you could look at it as your flag over your redeemed life, it would have the ensign, the colors, and the theme of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That would be a distinct flag for us to fly over our redeemed lives because the Holy Spirit is constantly present in the parliament building of our bodies. Why did Jesus become human? to manifest God to man, to become our kinsman redeemer, to defeat Satan, and to sit on David's throne. Let us pray. Oh, Father, thousands of babies have become kings, but only one king ever became a baby. Lord, we who know Jesus by saving faith, we desire to have his royal standard, his unique flag that only is flown on the buildings of redeemed lives 
that know and trust him. I pray that the flag of Christ would fly over my life with integrity and authenticity. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ that the same royal standard, the same unique flag of the King of Kings being present in our lives by the person of his spirit would fly over their lives too. That together we could display that Christ is king, that Christ will come to literally, visibly be king of earth. But in the meanwhile, he is king of our lives. He is king of our marriages. He is king of our parenting. He is king of our money. He is king of our church. He is king of our employment. He is king of our retirement. He is king of our illness, and he is king of our health. Oh, Lord we would fly the royal standard. And thank you that we know all the promises made in your word about Jesus will be tr- come to pass. We long for a righteous world ruled by a righteous king. And we pray in his name. Amen.